Welcome and thanks for joining us here at the Bethel Church Podcast. For more information about Bethel and who we are, you can visit us online at BethelChurch.info. We hope you are encouraged and that you find hope in today's message. Thank you guys so much. Uh, for those of you that know, uh, know me, my name is Pastor Barry Ginn, I'm the assimilation pastor here uh, at Bethel Church. And um, uh, it's just an honor to be able to come and, and speak to you today. I wanted to thank Pastor Daniel for giving me uh, the opportunity to come here and um, come here like, like I don't live here, um, to come up here and speak to you about groups uh, and uh, more so about discipleship uh, with inside of our groups and our serving this morning. And so uh, just to introduce me a little bit about myself, um, I, I've been here from day one. So uh, it, it's always funny when uh, pastors will you know, come to congregations and say, how many of you been here for 10 years or more? And when they hit like 30, 40 years, I'm still got that hand raised because I'm a, I'm a day warner. But, uh, but uh, my wife, uh, Sherry again, uh, we've been married for 16 years. And uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, she couldn't be with us today. Uh, she's got a little less than a year left in nursing school. And uh, yeah, she is, uh, she's killing it. She's got clinicals this weekend. So uh, she uh, wouldn't not be able to be here. But uh, we love her. We support her. Um, it's been a lifelong dream of hers to become that. So um, we support her heavily. And uh, daddy's ready to retire. So we want her to do it. Uh, I have four kids, uh, Parker, Gabriel, uh, Joshua and Hattie, and you see them up there. Um, I'll spare their embarrassment and not give you their nicknames that we call them. Uh, but those are our, our kiddos, and uh, we're super, super proud of them. Um, couldn't have asked for any, any better kids than the, excuse me, the ones that we have. So uh, I want to dive right into it, just to be honest. Uh, I'm super excited. I have a uh, message that's about 97 and a half minutes. I got 30 minutes to get through it. So we're going to go ahead and get in. Uh, last Sunday, Pastor Daniel uh, uh, spoke to us about come home and everybody using their gifts to serve each other in ministry. And uh, we had a, a tremendous turnout. Uh, thank you so much uh, for everyone that uh, responded to the call. Uh, in, in the days leading up to that, uh, I really felt the uh, Holy Spirit give me uh, a number. Um, I was just praying and I felt like he said, hey, you're going to have this many that are, that are going to respond. And when it was all said and done, um, that's how many responded. <laughs> and so uh, to be completely honest with you, um, I think he's done that again today. And our, our goal today is to talk to you about discipleship and how that happens inside of our small groups. But I want to be a little bit more specific than that. We we are going to be asking as many of you that can uh, to, to join one of our small groups. But there's a particular number in here this morning, and I feel like it's at least 10. I'll just be bold and, and throw it out there. I feel like it's at least 10 of you that God is not calling you to join one of our small groups. He is calling you to start your own. He is absolutely calling you to start your own. And, and my prayer is that when we work through uh, this passage and show you the importance of discipleship inside of our groups, that he convicts your heart or he confirms what he's already been kind of tugging at you uh, about. And so um, I, I feel like that's going to happen today. A disclaimer, uh, and this is going to be a funny disclaimer coming from the guy that oversees groups. Groups might not be for you. 
Uh, let me explain that. Um, when, 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 uh, just like in our ministries uh, everywhere, when, when you serve and when you join, we want you to be able to commit to it. And so when I say groups might not be for everyone, uh, we, it doesn't matter where you serve, whether it's in a ministry or whether it's inside of one of our small groups. In both places, we want you being discipled and serving. We want you serving in ministries. We want you serving each other in small groups. We want you being discipled in small groups. We want you being discipled inside of a ministry. And so we always want that going on. Um, if you have a pretty, pretty busy work schedule, um, you, know, you don't live super close to this area, you've got a kid or two and, and they're involved uh, and, and you're already serving, you're serving in a ministry. Groups might not be the place for you to hop in um, because the things that we want you to experience, you're getting those inside of the ministry that you're serving in. You're getting those when, when you come here and you worship with our family on, on, on Sunday mornings. But if you're not connected in that way, then I'm talking to you this morning. If, if you're looking for that, uh, that other avenue to take, um, this is something that I, I wanted to present. And so I wanna show you I was tempted to say we're going to hit the brakes on the This is the Bible series until I started looking through my notes again this morning and realized that I'm getting ready to walk you through the entire book of Matthew. So if you've ever wanted to study Matthew, uh, you're, you're about to do it. Um, let me show you Christ's model for discipleship. Why small groups? Why our Bethel groups? Um, one of the things that I want to show you is, have you ever had to be at a function at like eight o'clock? and you're trying to figure out what time you need to have everything ready. So you start at the function and you work your way back. So I got to be there by eight o'clock. So that means I got to leave the house by 7.30. So that means I got to start getting ready by 6.45, which means I got to get the kids from daycare by six o'clock. And you just kind of back up your whole day down to, I need to be eating breakfast at 8.15 type thing. This is what we're going to do through the passage. Um, in the beginning, we're going to start at the end and work our way back to show you the importance of our small groups. Jesus's last words, the very last thing that he said to those people that were gathered there uh, before he ascended is Matthew 28 and 19. And here's what he says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." And so this is the very last thing that Jesus tells those that are in attendance. He says, I want you being discipled and I want you making disciples until I come back. If, if it's 50 years before I come back or 50,000, this is what you are to be doing. So th this isn't just to the disciples. This isn't just to the people that were standing there. He, were he was talking to followers people that were literally and, and relationally following him. If you're a follower this morning, this command is for us. We are to be being discipled and making disciples until he comes back. And so that's what this is all about, is discipleship. When you can't have, let's, let's work at the end and come back. You can't have discipleship unless you have somebody to disciple. disciple. You can't have disciples unless you have a relationship close enough where you can hold each other accountable, yeah. right? You <clears throat> can't hold each other accountable unless you have a relationship. And you cannot have a deep, meaning relationship with 467 people. 
I know it feels good to pull up social media and see you've got 13,000 followers, but you barely know any of them. And they barely know you. That's not discipleship, okay? Uh, you can't have deep, meaningful relationships um, outside of being personally connected, intimately connected uh, with people that you're serving with or people that you're inside of a small group with. You have to have that first before things start to grow. And so uh, we're gonna walk through an individual in the scripture. His name is Simon Peter. How many of you heard of Simon Peter for in the uh, New Testament? Good. We're gonna walk through what his life was like inside of a small group, okay? And we're gonna kind of see some things that he learned and maybe, <clears throat> maybe how things would have turned out uh, if he was not a part of a small group. And so a quick history, we're gonna walk through Matthew. Matthew chapter one, you have the genealogy of Jesus, where he came from. Matthew chapter two, it's the birth of Jesus and then they had to go to Egypt because of uh, persecution. In Matthew chapter three, <clears throat> Jesus is baptized. In Matthew chapter four, he is uh, doing some fasting in the wilderness. And then we're gonna start to break this down a little bit. After he is baptized and after he starts his fast, when you start reading through, you'll see that in verse 18, the very first thing Jesus did, he didn't raise somebody from the dead, he didn't walk on water, the very first thing he did was he called Simon Peter and Andrew. You know what he did? He started a small group. <laughs> That's the very first thing that Jesus did is he started a small group. He started an accountability relationship with other people. Okay, um, in Matthew 20, or you keep going down in 23 through 25, they started bringing sick people to Jesus. Now, this might seem like a small thing, but I'll, we're gonna build something here that you're gonna see a little bit further down. When you read this passage, if you go home and read through Matthew, you're not gonna, you're not gonna read it, and it's, it's not gonna say that they brought sick people to them. It's gonna say that they brought sick people to him. They didn't bring anybody to the disciples, and there's a reason why we're gonna get there. Matthew 5 through 7, Sermon on the Mount, Greatest sermon ever preached. Uh, Matthew chapter eight, we see Jesus cleansing lepers, healing paralytics, uh, calming a storm, casting out demons. Matthew chapter nine, heals another paralytic. He calls Matthew, he adds to a small group. He raises the dead. And the Bible says that the blind and the mute were healed. One quick thing I wanna point out. Um, I called every one of our small group leaders over the past few weeks, kind of telling them you know, what today's gonna look like and told them I was gonna to try to cover 100 topics in 30 minutes uh, of different things. And so uh, one of the things that, that I love here, just to kind of show you what our, what our groups are about, the first disciple that Jesus called, they were fishermen. Those were the first ones. One of the last disciples that Jesus called was a tax collector. Jesus called a disciple who was basically uh, the equivalent of a radical politician. Jesus also called a disciple that was a thief and he knew it from day one. And he called him anyway, put him in a circle, right? We, we want groups that are diverse, um, that are very uh, uh, you know, open. Um, and, and we're gonna, we're gonna highlight them today. I'm gonna tell you about some of them today. We're not against that at all. We, we need groups that are for a specific age. We need groups that are for a specific gender. We need groups that uh, may be tailored towards a specific lifestyle. But an even greater need that we have are groups um, that are just open to anyone, right? And so for my 10 people that are gonna come up to me after this service and say, hey, I'm one of your 10, 
Um, don't feel the pressure that you have to come up with your own little uh, corner of group ministry. Don't feel the pressure that you've got to have some super unique, specific thing that you can do. Uh, if you are willing, then Jesus will make you able. He, he will give you that ability to, to lead people. And so, yes, we want the diverse groups, but we want groups for everyone. Let me give you an example. Um, uh, some crowd participation. I'm not a big fan of crowd participation, but I do it because I support my leaders. So just support me this morning. Let's say that I'm going to start a small group and I've got an infinite amount of space. Um, and every one of you know me and love me intimately. You just, you just love, you just love Barry. So, um, I'm going to ask you to join my group. And when I ask you, I want everybody to raise their hands, but then I'm going to go through like some of the qualifiers to be a part of my group. And as I kind of single some of these groups out, if it doesn't apply to you, just put your hand down. Everybody with me? Who wants to join my small group? All right. First of all, you got to be male. 35 to 45, two to three kids, experience in foster care and adoption. Now look around at how many people can join my group versus who just wants to get to know each other. Now look how many people can join my group, right? That's, that's what we want. I'm not against the, the specificity of groups, and our group leaders know that. I've talked with all of them. But at the same time, don't feel the pressure that you have to be so unique that it keeps you from even uh, stepping out, right? If you are willing, God's going to make you able. And I feel like he's going to make some of us or all of us able here, and um, we're, we're definitely going to be leading. Jesus fasting in Matthew chapter 4, all the way to Matthew chapter 9 when he, calls, um, when he calls Matthew, two years have gone by in this time frame. From Matthew 4 to Matthew 9, two years these disciples have been walking with Jesus. Um, they've been learning from him. They've been building relationships with him, um, learning from each other, building relationships with each other. And uh, that, that's a huge point with our groups. It's vitally important that we meet. It's vitally important that we get together. 2020 almost wiped groups off the face of the map uh, because of everything going on. We just were not able to get together physically. Uh, 2021 was kind of a, all right, where do we go from here? Uh, but now we, you know, we have a very clear vision. We know exactly what we need to do. And, and it's important that we get together. I'm not telling you that you have to meet with your group every single day, like Jesus walked with his disciples, but be with each other enough that you can, um, learn and glean and grow from each other, right? That you can help build disciples and make disciples with, with one another. When, when these things started happening, Jesus gets his group together. And in Matthew 9, he says this. Jesus sends out his disciples to start doing the work that he's been doing. And he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, all right? Up until this point, he has not asked the disciples to do a single thing. It's just, let's grow a relationship. Let's get to know each other, sit back and watch. And then at this point, he sends them out. Matthew 10, he called to him his 12 disciples. He gives them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Relationship was growing. Now accountability says, go and do what I've taught you to do. Let's go and make disciples of, of other nations. And so um, we're, we're building to this point in Simon's life. About another year goes by. And so what I want to do for the rest of our short time here today is walk you through the rest of the book of Matthew, focusing in on Simon Peter. 
He's one of the first ones that Jesus called. He's in this small group of guys that, that Christ has around him. And I wanna show you the things that Peter gleaned from his small group. I wanna show you the things that, that Peter learned. And so, <clears throat> and even maybe how some things would have turned out differently if, if he weren't a part of it. Um, and before I jump in, I just wanna say thank you to the tech team. Um, I, I showed up this morning and said, um, hey, I've got about 10 more scripture I need to add. Is that a problem? And uh, with a smile on their face and lying through their lips, they said, no, it's not a problem. So uh, they, put all, uh, they put all this together, Pastor Gage and his team, um, very quickly. So thank you guys so much. I really appreciate that. Matthew 14, 28 through 33, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, I'm gonna give you some background. Uh, Jesus um, is walking to the disciples on water. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, that's important, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. So the disciples are in a boat. They go out into the Sea of Galilee. Jesus comes walking on the water. Storm comes up. Peter says, call me. Christ calls him. He hops out. He sinks. He pulls him back up. Peter realizes two things uh, in, in this passage about being a part of this group. Number one, that he's fallible. He is not perfect, right? He has doubts. He has fears. Uh, he has struggles. Can anybody else relate with Peter just a little bit, Right? He realizes these things, but there's something else that he realizes at the same time just by being in this group uh, around Christ. He learned that Jesus is not only mighty to save, he learned that Jesus is willing to save. There's a difference. That difference, it boils down to us, um, especially if you, if you kind of grew up in church. Most of the time, we don't have an issue at all with Jesus's ability to save his power, his might. Usually where our doubts come in is, will he do that for me? Will he do that for me in my situation? Peter found that out in, in, inside of this group. Peter found out that yes, he's mighty, but he's also willing. He's also able. In times of struggle, weakness, and uncertainty, Jesus didn't allow Peter to sink further away, but he drew him closer. And that's exactly the relationship that we get inside of our groups. It would have been easy to say, oh, you little faith, you've been walking me for two and a half years now. If you ain't got it by now, you ain't gonna get it. But he didn't. Instead, he drew him closer. He brought him closer. He didn't push him away. Matthew 16, 13 through 18. Let's go there real quick. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others think you're Elijah. Others, Jeremiah or one of the Old Testament prophets. He said to him, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, first one to speak up. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
One thing that I always uh, love to talk about when we're talking about scripture or studying the Bible, when you're reading passages and going through things like this, put yourself in the story, not as a character, because we always choose the wrong character. (laughs) We always think that we're the savior and we are not, right? We are not. Put yourself in the story as a bystander. Looking, seeing, smelling, thinking, feeling what's going on in this story. When I put myself in here, inside the circle, this is what I envision. Peter has already had an experience with Christ. Peter was going to his lowest point um, uh, relationally and physically, sinking to a low point. And he's already experienced Jesus grab him and pull him out. And I, can, and I can see Peter almost like fidgeting, foaming at the mouth when he says, hey, who, who, who do people say that I am? And right when Peter goes to answer, John pops in and says, oh, some people think you're Elijah. And, and, and Peter's like, but somebody else comes in. Oh, some people think you're Jeremiah. And he's trying to butt in because he's had an experience. And Peter says, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the son of God. And I think he says that recalling how Jesus has already saved him once. He says, you are a Messiah. You are a savior. You are a redeemer. And he understood that because he spent time around him. He spent time with him. He met with him, him and that small group. And Peter knows exactly who he is, the savior, the son of God. Everybody still with me? Let's keep going. His life gets more interesting. Matthew 16, 21 through 23. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. (laughs) Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me for you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man. This is the perfect picture of discipleship. The perfect picture of discipleship. Jesus just said something very hard to Peter. Very hard to Peter. But Jesus knew that he could say it because he has spent over two and a half years already building a relationship with Peter. And Jesus knew that Peter could receive it because he has spent over two and a half years building a relationship with Christ. The bridge of relationship must be strong enough to handle the weight of rebuke. If that bridge is not strong enough, you keep building. You keep building. If it's not strong enough to handle the weight of rebuke, then you have to keep building the relationship. Well, I went to that person. I told them exactly how I felt. I saw them do this, and I just kind of let them have it. Told them, da, 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 da. well, how do they take it? They got mad. I wonder why. Do you know that person? What's their middle name? You know what I mean? Like, do, do, have you built enough relational equity in that individual to be able to say the things that you're saying? To be able to cast the vision that you're casting? To be able to judge the thing that you're judging? Is the relationship good enough? If not, Keep building, keep building, and, 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 and we'll all get to that place. Matthew 17, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, 
and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. Look at this roller coaster ride that Peter's going on. You are the son of God. Get thee behind me, Satan. Transfiguration, right? All this, and, but this is what you experience. Imagine the life of Peter if he's going through these things and he doesn't have a small group there that he can lean on. Imagine him going through these things and there's nobody there for him to turn to. Imagine him going through life's trials and struggles just like we all do and there's not someone there that he can call on, right? But he has his small group there. The world's been beating you up. It's been beating him up. You're unsure about what's going on. Your best friend just called you the devil. You need to be around your brothers and your sisters in Christ, Also, something else that we learn about Peter here that's important in all of our groups, it's important to hear about Christ. It's equally important to experience him. Just because you're hearing about him doesn't mean that you are experiencing him. And we need to have experiences with the presence of God, with the power of God. And that's what he has inside of his group. And so they keep living together, growing together, moving together. Matthew 18, 21 through 22, then Peter came up and said to him, uh, I love this. This is so good. Peter walks up to Jesus. Uh, right after Jesus gets finished teaching on like love and forgiveness, Peter comes up. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. I get this exact same question from my, uh, I have three boys and a girl. <clears throat> my three boys asked me the same question. Exactly. But they don't word it like this. This is how they word it. Dad, if I get in a fight at school, but I didn't start it, are you going to be mad? That's their version of how many times that that's basically Peter saying, how many times can I forgive that brother before I power bomb him off the top rope through a table? <laughs> like how, how, how many times do I have to like keep just going back, going back, right? That's, that's his version of it. Without Peter's small group, without Peter in that circle, you still have a man walking around with anger and unforgiveness because everybody rubs him the wrong way. And he doesn't know how to process it. He doesn't know how to get it out. And he bottles it up and he pushes it down and bitter roots start to form. And without that small group there, you have an angry man who can't forgive. But because of his group, these things come out. Because of his group that he trusts, iron is sharpening iron and he's growing. He's not, he's not perfect. He's progressing, right? And this is what's happening inside of his group. Let's keep moving. Matthew 19, uh, 27 through 29. Then Peter said in reply, uh, this is in response to um, Christ basically telling another disciple that if you follow me, you may have to walk away from everything. This is what Peter says. See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the new world, when the son of man will sit on his glorious throne, You who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And we may read that and go, well, that's awesome for the disciples, but what about me? Well, we're in the next verse. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children 
or lands. Basically, if you've had to walk away and give up anything for his name's sake, you will receive a hundredfold and you will inherit eternal life. A hundred percent. It's going to happen. Peter needed that small group to constantly remind him that this isn't all there is. There is something else coming. And I think one of our biggest frustrations in life as Christians, I think one of our biggest points of discontentment and anger is we're trying to make this life as good as the next one. And it's not gonna happen. It was never meant to be. If this could be heaven, then there's nothing to look forward to. There's nothing to be excited about. And our frustrations come when we're trying to make everything in the here and now perfect. And it's not gonna be perfect. Uh, but perfect is coming. And he's promised it to us. Amen? Amen? All right, I'm gonna go out of order just a little bit, but it's gonna flow with the story. You'll see why. Matthew 26, 50 and 52. Um, this is Jesus praying in the garden. He's about to be crucified. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, uh, soldiers came up and grabbed him. And behold, one of these who were with Jesus, this is Peter, by the way, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Jesus said to him, Peter, put your sword back. Was Peter, now, now get this, was Peter trying to, the, 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 the soldier's name was Malchus. Was Peter trying to cut off Malchus's ear? No, Peter's a fisherman. He's not a soldier, right? What's Peter trying to do? Kill him. He just missed. He just missed. And then Jesus looks at him like, Peter, put your, put your sword back, dude. Like, number one, that's not how we roll. Number two, you, you missed everything. Like, you missed. Like, if you're going to do it, like, end it. But no, you just got his ear. Without Peter's small group, he is still walking around carrying all that anger. He's still walking around carrying all that vengeance. We think it stays inside. We just haven't met the right opportunity yet. You're, you, me, all, like whatever's in there, it's going to come out. There's going to be a situation where it overflows. Peter just hit his. And luckily, his group was there to help him. His group was there. Uh, he's still walking around with anger. Without his group, he hasn't learned how not to fly off the handle. He hasn't learned how to direct all that passion that he has. Instead of drawing people to Christ, he's trying to kill people for Christ. And he hasn't learned the difference yet. He thinks he's serving God by doing what he's doing. He thinks he's serving God by trying to take another man's life in the name of Christ. And without his group, there's no correction. Matthew 26, these two kind of go together. I'll go through them very quickly. Jesus said to them, this is uh, right before he goes to be crucified. You will all fall away because of me this night. Says that to every one of the disciples, Peter included. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, they, they all will fall away because of you, but I'm not. I'm not going to fall away. Jesus said, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. Peter said to him, even if I die with you, I will not deny you. And the other disciples said the same. 
Matthew 26, keep going. This is after the, the fact. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, weren't you with Jesus, that Galilean? But Peter denied it before them all saying, I don't know what you mean. And he went out into the entrance and another servant girl saw him and came up by the bystanders. This man was with Jesus. And again, he denied it, this time with an oath. I don't know this man, a little bit more forceful. Verse 73, and after a little while, the bystanders came up to Peter again. Certainly you two are one of them for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse and to swear. He, he, he let him fly. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. <clears throat> and he went out and he wept bitterly. Peter, inside of his small group, still there. Peter needed to be humbled. He wasn't as super saved as he thought he was. He wasn't as perfect as he thought he was. You ever thought it was all just going good, going great, everything's going right, and then it just... <laughs> this is Peter. Uh, he, he needed to be humbled. Peter also needed strength that went beyond his limitations. He had a fantastic witness as long as he was inside of his group with people like him. But the second an eight-year-old girl walked up to him and said, weren't you one of his? Nah, he ain't one of mine. He needed strength beyond his limitations that he couldn't get on his own. Peter needed something that could carry him in the face of trials and persecutions. Even more importantly than that, two things that Peter needed. Peter needed forgiveness and Peter needed to know that Christ still loved him. Let that sink in for a second. because this is where it gets good. <clears throat> he just let him down. Roller coaster ride, just denied him. Rooster crows and his heart breaks. We're gonna hop out of Matthew. Matthew talks about this, but Luke covers it with more detail. Um, it's not two different occurrences. It's the same thing. It's just Luke talks about it a little bit more than Mar uh, Matthew does. Luke 24, Jesus has been crucified. He's been put in the tomb. And he's resurrected. He's not ascended yet. He's resurrected. 10 through 12. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, uh, and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. Well, what do they say? These women come to the apostles and they say, Jesus has resurrected. Jesus is alive. He's not there. And so they, they tell them, listen to this. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. Every one of the disciples, except for one, did not believe what they had just been told. They, they thought it was foolishness. There's no way that he's risen. But Peter <clears throat> rose and he ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen, clo linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what happened. Remember when I said when you're reading passages and there's like something going on, put yourself in the story, like envision, see, hear, taste, smell, feel what's going on. This is what I see. I see, G, I see Peter absolutely broken because the last, the last remaining memory that he has of Jesus is denying him. 
He calls him Christ. They have great experiences together. Christ saved him on a multiple of occasions. Christ forgave him from trying to kill a man. And, and even after saying, I, I, I will go to my grave before I deny you, he denies him three times. And that's the last thing on Peter's mind. You ever been in a, a, a relationship or in, in um, a conversation with someone and it just ended bad and you walk away and it just weighs on you, weighs on you. I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have said that. I wish I wouldn't have said this. I wish I wouldn't have said that. This is weighing on Peter. And now Jesus has died and there's nothing Peter can do about it. He can't rectify it. He can't fix it. And I, and I feel like it's just weighing on him heavily. And then these ladies show up but here's, here's what I have to believe. I think in the back of Peter's mind, there, there's this, there's this uh, phrase that keeps kind of going back that he can't unhear. Um, it, and every time it gets kind of heavy on Peter, it kind of in, interweaves its way. And it's these words where Jesus says, in three days, I'll be back. In, in three days, there's gonna be a resurrection. And I think that's kind of making its way. And so these ladies come in, he's resurrected. The 11 disciples say, you're crazy. No, he's not. Peter takes off running. Why, why does it specifically say that Peter rose and ran to the tomb? Why put that detail in there? I think it's important. I think this is what Peter is thinking on the way there. Everything that Jesus said would happen while we were with him has happened. Everything that he said, it, it has come to pass. Every promise that he made to us, every promise came to pass. He said that I would deny him three times and I denied him three times. And then he said a rooster would crow and then a rooster crowed. But he also said that he was gonna die and he died. He said he was gonna be buried and he's buried. But he also said that he was gonna resurrect. And if all of these other things are true, then this one has to be true as well, right? And so he runs to that tomb Verse 12, and it says that when he sees them, he went home marveling. Peter, just like us, needed another reminder of the goodness and the forgiveness of God. He needed one more reminder that it does not matter what you've done. Whew. Good time to praise real quick. doesn't matter what you've done. He has this revelation. He runs and he sees he's not there. And he has forgiveness. One thing that I want, I want you to see, this, this is how we try our best to set up our small groups. You see Jesus for two and a half years building a relationship. You see him for another year and a half giving accountability. And when you have relationship plus accountability, that equals discipleship. It's all discipleship. It's all discipleship. You'll notice the acronym RAD. That's what we have in our groups, RAD, Relationships, Accountability, and Discipleship. And that's how it comes together. Imagine Peter, imagine his life away from that group. Imagine what he's walking around with away from that group. You have a murderous individual. He tried to kill a guy and thought he was serving God by doing it. Imagine that type of individual not being held accountable to at least 
another small group of, of people that can say, hey, that's, we probably need to redirect your passion. Don't lose your passion. Just direct it into a better place, right? And so uh, in just a few minutes, we're, we're gonna allow you that same opportunity. Um, like I said, we, you know, if, if you're already serving in a ministry, you're already, you know, plugged in and, and connected, um, you know, hopefully that, you know, we believe that you are receiving that type of discipleship inside of your ministry. But if you're still trying to find your place, if you're still trying to find that relationship that, that, that can help you walk through some of these things that you see Peter walking through, then, then maybe groups is the place that you can find it. Um, and for hopefully about 10 of you, um, God's put something inside of you that I think he's causing you to be that for somebody else. I'm not asking you to be Jesus. I'm still asking you to be Peter, right? Because even though you might be the leader, you are still a part of that group. Even though you might be the one that I call on to see how you're doing, how things are going, you still need discipleship as well, right? Um, and, and I know that in your, in, in, in probably in your mind, you have a hundred different reasons as to why you can't do it, right? You can push those to the side. All those weaknesses that you have, I, I would venture to say that those weaknesses are not there because you made poor decisions. Those weaknesses are there because God wants to show his strength in your weakness. He wants to use you because you are weak. He wants to use you because you think you're not able. He wants to use you because you think you have nothing to offer. He wants to use you because you think you could never disciple or be discipled. That's not keeping you from doing it. That's the reason he wants you to do it. I want you to see that this morning. Praise God. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you, Lord, for the example that you've set before us um, of, of making disciples, of discipling others, Father. And I pray in Jesus' name <clears throat> that you help us not to shy away from the things that you're calling us to, but you give us, you give us a boldness, even in the face of our questions, even in the face of our uh, maybe stresses and anxiety. Give us boldness, Father, in Jesus' name. While you're still praying, uh, one thing that you see that happened in the life of Peter, uh, Jesus not only physically saved him, he spiritually saved the soul of Peter. He was his. He drew him and he saved him. And if that's you this morning, you say, Th this idea of joining, <laughs> joining a smaller group, uh, that's exactly what I need. I, I, I not only need saving and, and need help and need discipleship in some of the areas of my life, but I, I, I need a relationship with the Father. Let's, we, we, we can put the saving on the back burner. I need to start with a relationship. If that's you this morning, you are not saved. You do not have this relationship. You don't connect with anything that Peter was doing because you simply don't know the Savior. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I want to meet with you. I want to turn this mic off and have a conversation with you. If you don't know him as your personal savior, can you just let me know by raising your hand just so I know who to pray for, just so I know who to talk to? Connection team, if you see anyone raising their hands that I just missed, just kind of get my attention. If you're not saved this morning and you want God to save you, we're not talking about the things in your life that he's going to work. We're talking about a relationship, starting it off. You need salvation. If that's you, just raise your hand quickly this morning so I'll know who to talk with. All right, praise God. If you'll stand with me. 
when we exit this morning, I'm getting ready to hop down. Pastor Blake uh, and our worship team is uh, going to continue with uh, praise and worship. Our small group leaders are going to make their way to the back uh, outside and get ready at the table. When you walk outside, you're underneath the breezeway, you're going to notice all of our tables that are set up. Uh, the majority of our groups are open for anybody and everybody. Uh, we do have a handful that are specific. Uh, we have a group that's for people 50 and over. If that's you, we got a group just for you. We have a group called Grief Share. Um, if you've experienced um, the, the loss, the death of somebody very close to you, we have a Grief Share group that focuses in just on that. Um, they, they, it's led by a couple uh, uh, Teresa and Joe Flynn that have experienced that in their own lives uh, and they're walking through their, their healing continuously and they want to help you as well. Uh, we have groups that are ladies only Bible studies. We have groups uh, that, that are um, mommy and me and that launched this past week had an awesome turnout. So, um, you know, obviously guys, you're not going to be mommy and me. Uh, but uh, for all of our mothers out there with the little kids, we have groups like that as well. They're out there on the table, the, the list of, of, of what they are. And so we invite all of you um, that are, are still looking for that place to plug in, still looking for that place where maybe you can get connected. We want you after the service to go outside, meet our small group leaders. I'll be walking around out there, ask us any questions that you have. And uh, we would love to get the chance to get to know you a little bit better and get to uh, connect with you. So thank you for entertaining me today. And uh, Pastor Daniel uh, is coming up to close us out. If you enjoyed today's message, we want to encourage you to join our Facebook online community. Search for Bethel Church online for more great content from our pastors and leaders here at Bethel. Join us next week for another inspiring message.